The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. So we are talking in this series about this moment in time when it was one of the, the biggest visions, one of the, the most audacious one of the most courageous missions that not only we ever undertook as a country, but you could argue one of the most courageous things that the human race has ever done. And it was the attempt to put a man on the moon, a person on the moon, and bring them back down to earth safely. And they set out in 1961 to do that, and it was accomplished by the end of the decade as they set out to do. And it's an incredible thing when you think about actually not just sending someone to outer space and back, but putting someone on an alien body up in, the, up in space, on an on a alien surface like the moon, putting human beings there and then bringing them back. That's just unbelievable what was accomplished. And it took all different types of people to get them there. Now, you and I can remember the, some of the key figures, some of the more uh, out front figures, especially the astronauts, the first ones in space or the first ones orbiting the earth or the first ones walking on the moon. Those names, you either know them by heart or they're very familiar to you if you hear them. We know those names. But to get someone with a mission like that, to get someone on the moon, it requires all different types of tasks. And as I was looking into this, I found one that I was kind of surprised this, that there was a job like this. But the more I thought about it, this is a pretty critical job. There's a guy by the name of George Aldrich who worked for NASA for 37 years. And he worked in the department called the Molecular Desorption and Analysis Laboratory. Now, that sounds very impressive, and probably none of us know what that means. It's a good NASA job, okay? He was a chemical specialist, but he was also known as the chief sniffer. Now, you say, why does NASA need a chief sniffer? Okay, this is why. They are sending up in a spaceship, a space capsule, a rocket ship. They're putting these astronauts, and they're coming up with new types of food to send up with them, new fabrics, new metals. They're sending things up into space that they don't know how it's going to react to being into space. And I want you to imagine you are an astronaut. You are in a rocket. You're orbiting the Earth for a couple weeks, or maybe you're in the space station for a couple months in confined, uh, in a confined container. And I want you to imagine one of the things that you've brought up, one of the pieces of equipment, has a terrible odor. What do you do at that point? Do you roll down the window? You can't roll down the window. Okay, you are stuck with that for days, weeks. Or months. Okay, so imagine if you ever opened up one of those markers, it's like a felt tip marker and it just smells awful, it's making you sick to your stomach. Imagine you're an astronaut, you have a felt tipped marker and it's making, every, it's making everyone nauseous and now you have to decide for the next three months, are we going to be nauseous or actually use this to check off our checklist to make sure we survive? That's not a scenario you want to be in. So they need at NASA a chief sniffer. And for 37 years, George Aldrich and his team of sniffers have taken every chemical 
every new piece of material that's gone into a rocket and they've done tests on them. What they do is they put them in extreme heat well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. They let whatever that piece of equipment emit the gases that it's going to emit when it gets heated up. Then they make sure the gases aren't toxic and then they want actual human beings to smell it to make sure it's not going to turn the stomachs of the astronauts or make sure it's not going to be toxic or distracting. Now, if you are currently looking for a job, you could get a job at NASA as a chief sniffer, okay, because there's great perks. In fact, this is true. Um, Odor Eaters has hired George Aldrich to judge their rotten sneaker contest in Vermont. True story, side perk of the job for your consideration, okay, just looking out for you. There are all different kinds of jobs at NASA, all different types of jobs that were required to accomplish something so unbelievable as putting human beings on the moon. It took all of these different jobs working together to make that happen. Now, in this series, we're studying a part of the Bible called Ephesians. And in Ephesians, it talks about what the great, courageous, audacious mission of the church is. And the way, we talked about this last week, and to get to right to the point of what we talked about last week, what's described in Ephesians in the third chapter, how, they, how it's described, uh, the mission of the church, is in, you see the absolute gravity, importance, urgency of the mission of the church. It basically puts it like this. This message of they, they call the gospel, this message is something the creator of all that is, this is the mystery he's been holding on to for all the ages. In other words, the one who invented everything, the entire universe, has been holding on to one piece of critical information that the entire universe needs to hear and has been letting out pieces of this information throughout history. It is the core message of the universe. And he says the church, the role of God's people, the church all around the world is to declare this message. And the way he describes it, he says all of heaven leans forward to watch what is happening through the church, through the generations around the world as this message is going out. It is the, what's happening through the church around the world through every generation is the most critical thing happening on the planet. You say, how could, that, how could that be true? Why is the church taking that message the most important thing in, the, in all of planet Earth, and all of history? Why is that so true? Because the message of the gospel is this. It's that every single human being is facing, standing before God, their creator, every single human being is facing, when they die, an eternity away from God in hell. But God loves humanity so much, he enters into his creation, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Lives the perfect life that none of us could live. Dies on the cross. And because it's the inf an infinite being, God himself in the flesh, dying on the cross, it can pay for an infinite crime, the sins of humanity. Jesus pays for the sins as a substitute for us. 
and on the third day rose again from the dead. And God is saying to humanity through this message, the gospel, the good news, he's saying, if you just receive this forgiveness because of what Jesus has done, you will be saved for eternity. You will be spend eternity in heaven. What could be more important than seeing humanity saved for eternity? That is the most critical message this universe has ever known. And, the, and all of heaven is leaning forward as that message is being proclaimed through the church around the world. Now, in the next chapter of Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how that is accomplished. And we're gonna, I want to look at a couple verses today because one of the things it says in here is what I believe is one of the most misunderstood things about the church. This passage addresses one of the things that may be in our culture the most misunderstood idea of what church is. Okay, and I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. This is what it says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. He's describing here all of the different leaders or types of leaders or offices in the church. He says he's given all these things. Jesus is the he. He's given all of these leaders, the leaders of the church. Why? It says this in verse 12. To equip the saints. According to the Bible, saints is all Christians. He's to equip the saints, to equip Christians for the work of, what's that word right there? Ministry, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This addresses one of what I think is one of the most misunderstood ideas about church. And for many, uh, many people, they maybe went to church when they were little, or their family took them to church, or maybe they've never been to church, but they have friends who go from the church. And this is, their misunderstanding is just coming from what they've been exposed to or what they've been taught. But this is describing what is the role of the leaders in church? What are the role of those who are ministers or the church staff or the people who are not on staff but they're leaders? What is the role of those ministers? Well, they're called ministers, so they do the work of ministry, right? Well, what this described is that God has given those leaders to equip the rest of the church body to do the work of ministry. That the role of leadership in church, the role of a church staff, the role of the, the, the leaders who aren't on staff, the lay leaders, their role is to equip, to equip the entire body, the entire church, to be doing the works of ministry together. So, for example, many of us maybe are operating out of a misunderstanding of what church is like. And it's just, and I don't say this to produce any guilt or any kind of condemnation, it's just probably what you were exposed to and what you were taught. For example, for some your view of how church is. For some people, their view of church, um, the best metaphor to describe it would be like vaccinations when you're little. So you grew up in church and there's like a couple milestones that when you're little, when you're a child, that you need to get through in church, depending on the tradition. And if you can cross those milestones, you're set for life. 
It's like vaccinated you for the rest of your life. So for some traditions, it's get baptized or confirmed or go through a catechism or, or go through something where you've, con- you've crossed that milestone. It's like your vaccination when you're a child. Then you can go about the rest of your life. You can just kind of go on with your life and you know you're covered. And so then you maybe went to church when you were little and then you're, you're set. So you're not really going back to church. And then all of a sudden you have kids and I need them spiritually vaccinated. So I'm going to take them back. And we start going to church so they can go through those milestones. And some that's just kind of what you did. You don't know any better. So for some, it's like vaccinations. For some, going to church is like going to the dentist. There's a couple times a year you're like, you know what? It's time to go. It's that time again. It's Christmas, Easter, back to school maybe. Just hypothetically throwing that out. It's a couple times a year. It's that time of year we got to get, we got to go back and we kind of got to get our checkup. I just hope it doesn't hurt too bad or I don't get any really bad news while I'm there. Just kind of survive it, go a few times a year, kind of get my spiritual teeth cleaning for the year and I'm set. For some, that's just kind of what you grew up in and, and that's all you've known. So for some, it's like vaccinations, some it's like a dentist, but for some, going to church is like going to the movies. It's like every now and then, you're like there with your, you know, it's not that you go all the time, but there's like maybe a, once or twice a month or maybe a couple times, you're like, hey, you know what would be great this weekend? I'd love to go see a movie. I, I'd love to go to church. I just want to make sure I get there early enough to get the seat that I want. Because some of you have your seat that you're wanting to sit in. You sit in the same seat every week. And if you get there and someone's already in your seat, you have to remind yourself that you're in church, Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, there would be a scene, okay, that's my purple chair, go find your own purple chair, buddy. Okay, and so you're thinking like, hey, you know what, and you kind of all look at each other, hey, that would be nice, let's go to church this weekend. And so it's kind of like going to the movies. For others, going to church is like going, to the, going through the gas station. It's like a couple times a month, it is part of your rhythm, but you wait until you're kind of feeling empty, and you need kind of a spiritual fill-up. And so you're like, I've got to, go to, I've got to go to church and kind of get refilled up. And so that's kind of what it is. And whenever you're feeling empty, that's when you go. And so it is more regular, but it's to get filled up. And so you come in, you experience it. Wow, that was great, good stuff. And I walk out and I feel full. So maybe you find yourself in one of those metaphors. And I, I don't mean that to say to any judgment, but more just educational. You may have never actually heard before what the Bible says about what the church is like. Because it's not any of those metaphors. Here's how the Bible describes the church. It's said in here. It says it's a body. It says the, they're to equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry. Church is like a body. We talked about this a little bit last week. When you become a Christian... When you say, yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again from the dead. He was God in the flesh. He can do that. He rose again from the dead and that I've put my faith in him. I believe that that counted for me and I believe I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. Yes, I'm a Christ follower. I believe in that. When you become a Christ follower or a Christian, what this says is you become a part of the body. You become a body part. And so last week we talked about, I used a thumb illustration. I think you need the thumb illustration again just to make sure you got it, okay? Seeing some blank faces, we need to go back over the thumb illustration. If you're walking down the sidewalk and you see a thumb 
a human thumb on the sidewalk, you know something seriously wrong has gone on here. Thumbs are not meant to survive on their own. Okay, that's not going to, that thumb is not going to survive by itself very long. You also know that somewhere there is a person who is very, very aware that that thumb is no longer attached to their body. Thumbs don't survive without bodies. Bodies get very hurt without thumbs. When you became a Christian, you became a thumb. You become a Christ follower, you're a thumb. You belong as part of the body. And it's not just that you need the body, the body needs you. How does this work? Let me show you this. I want you to jump down to verse 15. I want to go to just read these last two verses today. Look at this, verse 15, it says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, that's Jesus, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What this just said, did you catch it? A body is healthy when every part is working together correctly. Very small things can throw off the entire body. Have you ever like had a hangnail on your toe and you put on a sock and it like snags it and you're walking around all day and you're like, what is wrong with my sock? Okay, it's a tiny little hangnail and you're like hobbling along. Have you ever gotten like a little speck in your eye? And like all, you're like rubbing your eye, you're like in the bathroom trying to find it again. You got your friend kind of reaching in there, okay? It's like whole thing. You ever, just, you ever just tweak just one tiny little muscle in your back? You sneezed weird. And then now all day you're just frozen like this at your desk trying to type, okay? Like little, one little piece of the body goes wrong and your entire body is suffering, Here's what this is saying. You're a, you are a part of the body. All the parts, when they, the, how you know the body is healthy is that all the parts work together. Okay, let me ask you, I want you to think about this. How do you know if a church body, if a church is healthy? Well, I mean, if you see that church and you hear that they're growing, they're healthy. Well, let's, let's roll with this metaphor, Okay. A couple months ago, I was refilling out some uh, an, a health insurance form, and I there was I needed some information from my doctor, and I so I called my primary and I got someone on the phone. He's giving me my information. I was just about to hang up, and he says, "Oh, I noticed that you need a physical." Oh man, I was so close. I was just about to hang up the phone. I'm like, okay. He's like, man, it's been a couple years. You need to get back in here. And he gives me the lecture about every year I got to be in there and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, let's put it on the calendar. And so I go into the doctor's office and they do, they do the blood work and I have to stand on the scale. And I want you to think about the scale in a doctor's office because it's designed to humiliate us. <laughs> They're apparently not aware that they've invented digital scales. That apparently doctors don't know that. So they make you stand on a scale that's got these weights on it. There's a little weight and a big weight on the bottom. And you have to stand there as the nurse is going, oh, oh, okay. 
All right. I got, and then, oh, that didn't work. And then she's got to take the big weight, cha-chunk, down to the next one. Now you're humiliated. I know. I'm a disaster. I'm sorry. Designed to humiliate us, okay? Now, if I'm standing there and the nurse says, wow, you've grown. You've grown by 25 pounds this past couple years, okay? Is that a good thing? Maybe. Could be a good thing. Maybe over the last couple years, I became like a CrossFit fanatic. I like walk through parking lots with like 17 tires on my back. I'm like throwing telephone poles and whatever they do at CrossFit. Okay, and that 25 pounds is like solid muscle. Okay, that's one option. Or what's more likely, if you know me, that I've discovered that in West Pembroke Pines, there's this hamburger restaurant, and they have this one hamburger called the Breakfast All Day Burger, and it's got two hamburger patties with cheese, a sunny side up fried egg, three strips of maple bacon, hash browns that have been soaked in maple syrup, and two buns and a large fry, hypothetically. Okay, <laughs> tossing that out there as a possibility. Let's say I found that, and I've grown by 25 pounds. That's not a good, that's not a good thing. Okay, so when we, so let's do, this is God's metaphor for us as a church. We say we've grown and we've been blessed by God that we've, over the last several years, every year, we've seen that we've grown. But we don't have all the data yet. Because more important than just what the scale says would be a body mass index, what percentage of body fat I have. So here's how that translates using God's metaphor here for the church. Not just how many humans are going and are more humans going, but what percentage of those that are going are active in the ministry. Like, I, we may have grown, but what type of cells have we added? Is it lean muscle fiber? What growth looks like, what the health of what he says here is here's how you know, is when each part of the body is working together. And so maybe just the what you've been exposed to about church, this passage is maybe telling you something you never knew before. The church, it's not the vaccines you got when you were young. It's not going to the dentist. It's not like going to the movies. It's not even like getting your fill-up for the week. It's not that. It's the, it's a body. You are a part of the body, and the entire body, you need the body, the body needs you, and when every part works together, it's healthy. We want every single part, everyone who calls West Pines their church home, to be a muscle fiber. We want every single person who calls, himself, calls West Pines the church home to say, all right, I'm here, but I'm a productive cell in the body. I'm active, I'm, I'm contributing, I'm part of what's making our body agile and moving forward. I'm contributing to that and moving forward. I've found a place where I'm at work as part of the body. That's what it means to have a healthy body. Okay, shift metaphors with me for a second. I don't want to go back to the, the overarching metaphor for this series. When you think about an unbelievable mission and accomplishment, it always involves all different types of roles. And when we think about something like going to the moon, 
there's a few like key names that you can think of. But it required all, it wasn't just a few of these astronauts, it was mission control, it was all the things preparing for that mission, okay? But you have to ask this question because the passage answers that. In our mission of going to the moon, so to speak, who are the astronauts? In other words, in our great mission of seeing South Florida transformed with the gospel, who are the key players? Because it says it right here. It's not those who are leaders and on staff. We're here to equip the rest of the body to do the works of ministry. You are the astronauts. It's you. You're saying, well, I don't know. I don't really, you're the astronaut. Now time out, okay? You say, okay, I hear you, thank you. I, I like thinking of myself as an astronaut, appreciate that. But can we just be honest? Because I don't know if you know what I actually do here, okay? Like what I literally do, like my job at West Pines, you're saying like, I, I pass out bulletins, okay? I, I, I know you think of me as an astronaut, but I'm literally doing this motion, hello. Welcome to West Pines. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, you're saying, like, you could literally wheel up a table, put the bulletins, put a welcome sign there, and it's doing the same thing. A table could do what I'm doing here at the church. You say, okay, I, I don't know that I really feel like an astronaut, okay? You say, look, I, I know that, I appreciate the pep talk, but I'm on the coffee team. I don't even make the coffee. I don't even know where you find it. Someone hands me a coffee craft, and this is all I do. I walk down the hall. I put it down. Someone pushes me out of the way to get their coffee, okay? I, I can't, this is all I do. It doesn't feel like I'm an astronaut. You say, okay, I'm, uh, I'm the, in the parking team. I stand out, and I like point people where to go, and I wave, and I'm standing next to an A-frame sign that's doing the same thing. But that's not enough. I have to be there too, okay? Like in, in August, no, no, no less. And I'm standing there like, I, I appreciate that you think I'm an astronaut, but I serve in the nursery, okay? Like they don't even let me teach big kids, okay? Like I'm just with the babies and I'm just holding them and I'm rocking them back and forth, okay? I feel less like, you know, an astronaut, okay? I feel more like the chief sniffer, okay? especially if you're in the nursery, all right? If you know what I'm saying. Okay, you're like, I just don't really feel like an astronaut. Okay, every few months, every couple years, I feel like we need to remind the church of something. And we go back through this every couple years, and it's important. See, when every time a person comes to church, if they're a first-time guest, they fill out their connection card, and we follow up. They get a phone call, they get some emails, they get a written, handwritten note, they get things like that. And one of the things we send to them, to these first-time guests, is a first-time guest survey, because we want to hear from fresh eyes what they experienced. And I want to read to you some of the things that we've gotten from first-time guest surveys just in 2017. So in answer to the question, one of the questions is, what did you notice first? First impression, which some, uh, some um, people who study church data say people have made their decision about their church, about the church that they're visiting before the services even started. 
So what did they experience first is one of the most important questions we ask. What did you experience first? This is what they said. One person said, everyone was very welcoming. Another person said, the nice setup, that it was very welcoming and friendly. The parking volunteer as I drove in, he helpfully showed me where to park. Another person just said one word, coffee. <laughs> he belongs here. Another person said, very welcoming and very nice people. Another person said, the lights. Another person said, kind smiles and a warm greeting. Another person said, the cleanliness of the nursery. Another person said, the greeters. Listen to this. It gets even more interesting. One of the questions is, what did you like best? The thing that impacted them the most, and there are all different things written, but I just want to highlight a couple things. So these are some of the responses. This is just this past year. The friendliness of everybody, including the leadership. The worship band, the friendly atmosphere, and the interior design. How organized everything was. One person just put it like this. Where do I start? The friendliness of the nursery staff, the praise and worship, and the word. How about this? What was your overall impression? They're driving away and their one dominant impression. Here are some comments. This is from this year. One person said, it felt like home. It's a, it felt like a, it's a modern and friendly church. Feels very vibrant. Here's another person. I love this. After two visits, my first impression is God is at work here. Here's why I want you to hear this. Did you catch what that's saying? The Bible is saying something that we sometimes struggle to believe. It's saying every single part is necessary and used by God. And so now we've got, I want to show you the data that explains what that means. That means for some people when they're coming to church for the first time, the most powerful moment of their entire visit was in the parking lot. It was when someone handed them a bulletin. It's when they came in and they're like, I'm not going to get through this without a cup of coffee. And they got a cup of coffee. It's when they're saying, okay, I, I'm back at church. I haven't been in church in a long time and now I've got a child and, and I just, I don't feel comfortable leaving my baby here. And there was a, they looked at the nursery and they're, they're, it's clean, it's organized, it's friendly, it's welcoming, they're helpful. And they felt like they could drop their child off and they left. And that was the most impacting part. It's that they, some people, they walked in and they're kind of an organized brain and there's people, they see that things are moving like our leadership team has made things moving like a, like a well-oiled machine and they're like, wow, they must take seriously what they're doing. It's another person that came in and saw the design and the interior design. It's because an environment team is saying, no, this is an expression of excellence. God is creative. We're going to display that and there's a creative person that came and was impacted by that. See, here's what you may forget sometimes. Sometimes people are like, yeah, I want to do something, but I want to do something significant. And so sometimes when you think about what is my significant thing that I'm going to do, you're, you're like, well, do I, do I do something over here, do something over here? And God's saying, if you join in the rest of the body, you don't realize what you're doing is significant. Here's the theological truth underneath this. God does not waste a single surrendered Christian. So I hope when you're driving to church and it's your, it's your weekend to serve and you're like, look, I'm, I'm just you know, clicking the, the pro presenter button in the back so the slides come up at the right time. This is all I do. This, this motion right here, I just click it. I hope that when you are driving to church, you are praying, saying, God, I know you have a plan to use me beyond my wildest dreams. 
I hope when you're coming to greet or to usher or to welcome someone in the parking lot, you're anticipating the fact that God puts you there because he's bringing someone to church that needs to be welcomed. You're like, how really important is it to be welcomed well at church? Can you think back, if, you're, if you didn't grow up in a, in a church, can you think back to your first time at church? Because I think you and I, most of us in here believe that there are spiritual forces at work in this world. The forces of good, God, and his forces, and then there's forces of evil. And when someone who's broken and lost wakes up one weekend and says, I have nothing left but come to church, do you think the enemy is going to allow that to happen and go quietly while that person is trying to get to church? Every single thing that could possibly goes wrong in their world goes wrong that Sunday morning. And as they're driving, they're not silently letting that person drive. No, every, every bad experience they had with a Christian or had ex- bad baggage they had from going to church, every sense of guilt and shame, every idea of they don't want me here, why am I doing this, is happening as they're pulling in. And the most, maybe for many of these, the most potent declaration of the gospel is when person after person after person communicates we're glad you're here I'm so glad you're here we're ready for you welcome we want you here because God wants you here that is the first and as this is saying the most powerful declaration of the gospel for many that happens in their entire visit so if this is your church home and you're not serving What's holding you back? God is saying, you surrender yourself to me. I will use you. It doesn't matter the task. I will use you beyond what you can imagine. I hope as you're passing out a bulletin or you're ushering someone to their seat or you're getting coffee, I hope you're praying over every person that you hand a bulletin to. I hope you're carrying that coffee out and saying every person who... Gets, dispenses coffee from this. You're praying for them. Every, per, every family, you f- help find a seat. Every car that drives by, I hope you're praying for them because God is using you in that moment. He's told you he's using you in this scripture. He's saying, I use every single part of the body. I waste nothing. So I hope what's holding you back, I hope that it's not, that you're like, look, I, I'm just... I don't, do they really need me? Is, it, is that really significant? Is that worth my time? God is saying, I want the whole body to be lean and agile and working together. That's a healthy body. Here's what I, I want to ask you to do. Can everyone pull out their connection card? It looks like this. Can every single person pull this out? If you don't have one, it's in the seat back in front of you. You could pull this out, uh, this connection card. I want you to turn it to the back, and in the bottom left-hand corner, you see where it says, I want to serve. If, if this is your church home, and you don't have a place that you're serving, and it doesn't even need to be on, on Sunday morning. Some of you say, look, I can't on Sunday morning. There are all different types of ways you can serve throughout the week. But if this is your church home and you haven't found a place to serve, I want you to make the commitment today to say, look, I'm a piece of this body, but I'm going to be a piece of lean muscle sinew. I'm going to be a productive part of this body. And so I want you to find, you're checking off that box and fill out your information on the other side. You will get a phone call this week. 
If you check that box, you're not signing that for the rest of your life. You can check a couple boxes and where you're just saying, I want more information about this. Just getting more information. I want you to, if you are not, don't have a place to serve, today is the day. Check those boxes, find out some more information, and take that step. You can put that in one of the offering boxes as you leave. We will contact you this week. Another way you can serve on the weekend, you're like, look, I'm already serving or I'm already serving during the week, or I have a place to serve, is there something else I can do? Here's something, and, and we're serious about this, especially for those of you who come to 1030. Some of you who come to the 1030 service come because you're serving in another service, and this is the only service you can attend. For some of you, there's certain circumstances in life, this is your only option. We definitely understand that. If you're here and you come to this because, like, hey, this is, the, this is my favorite time or the most convenient, here's what I'd ask you. One of the ways you can serve your church is rearrange your Sunday schedule so you can come to the 9 or come to the 12 o'clock. And especially if you can come to the 9, here's why. We are right now preparing overflow space because as the fall continues, this, as you can see, there are, there are not many seats left. And as the fall continues, we're going to start, have to start putting people in overflow. And I want you to imagine who are the people who are going to end up in overflow. First-time guests don't come early. So it's, so it's the people that what ends up happening is the people that this is their regular church home. They get there. They find their exact purple chair so no one else can sit in it. They find their spot. And then what happens is the people that are coming in with all the fears and insecurity and all the obstacles get there and then they have to sit into overflow. One of the best ways you could serve your church in this season is to, is to choose, say, you know what? Yes, it would be easier for us to come at this time, but as a family, we're going to rearrange things so that we can come to the 9 o'clock. That's one of the best ways you could serve, your, be a part of your church and part of the mission of your church this upcoming fall. Why is this so critical? Why is us as a body working together so critical? It's because of this. Every single human being alive on the planet today has one thing in common. One thing. We are all staring down the grave. And the greatest possible message that could ever enter into this planet is that death is not the end. That because of the death of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of God, they can live, we can live for eternity. We are called to take that out. Make no mistake, Christian, if you are a Christian, whether you asked for it or not, wanted or not, you have a calling over your life. You are called into the greatest mission in the history of the planet. And God has called us to do this together. For some of you, there's a question that you need to answer today. For some of you, you're saying, look, honestly, you're talking about what happens after death, what happens in eternity. And if I'm honest, if I was to die today, I, I don't know where my eternity stands. Then today's your day. Today is your day because the message of the gospel is for you. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. God is offering you permanent forgiveness. You just have to accept it. And you can know for certain you will spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, I want you to receive that forgiveness and you can do that through a simple prayer. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes?
if you want to put your faith in Jesus today and find salvation, then just simply pray this prayer right there where you're at, in the quietness of your own heart. Make these words your words to God. Say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that I needed Jesus to die in my place so that I could be saved. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. And so I know that because of Jesus, I'm forgiven and I'll spend eternity in heaven. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.